Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Are you ready to begin? Yes, I'm all set here. Any program about science or scientists today is almost bound to focus on space. Hey, Houston, the Challenger has landed. Houston Station, uh, we are ready for the event. Thank you. Welcome to Space Boffins, in partnership with the Naked Scientists. I'm Richard Hollingham, and in this special edition, I'll be talking to the last man on the moon. I'm on the uh, footpad. And Houston, I step off at the surface at Taurus Littrell. We'd like to dedicate the first steps of Apollo 17 to all those who made it possible. Oh my golly! Unbelievable! Captain Gene Cernan was the third man to walk in space on Gemini 9, and he's one of only three people to travel to the moon twice, as lunar module pilot of Apollo 10, and then in December 1972, he left the last footstep on the moon. A few years ago, he wrote one of the best books by any astronaut about his experiences, and now it's been turned into a documentary feature film. Here's an extract from the trailer. We were pretty impressed with ourselves. We have big eagles. But we knew going in that some people weren't going to make it. What happened? They're dead. If you think going to the moon is hard, you ought to try staying home. I went to see The Last Man on the Moon at a packed premiere at London Science Museum a few weeks ago, and it's also been shown at the Sheffield Documentary Festival. The plan's to release the film in cinemas in the coming months, and it certainly deserves it. This is no space ego trip. It's poignant, funny, and reveals more about the men who walked on the moon than most other space documentaries. And some of the strongest parts aren't set in space or on the moon, but at Gene Cernan's ranch, where he tends his horses and longhorn cattle. This is an honest portrait of a working-class boy who ended up travelling to the moon. When I met up with Gene Cernan, we chatted about the final step, mortality, returning to the moon, and inspiring a new generation of space explorers. But we began by talking about a scene in the film where he's standing on the disused Apollo launch pad and says he wished he hadn't come. It's like someone took to Santa Maria or something and, uh, okay, and said, it's history, you guys discovered America, let's take it out and scuttle it, okay? It's it's over. You're not going to go anywhere. No one one ever asked a question, where now, Columbus? Uh, We discovered America, let's go home and... It was very nostalgic. It was disappointing. It was somewhat heartbreaking. I launched off each one of those pads, A and B, and a big Saturn V, the largest rock in the world, and that took me to a moon. People have dreamed about leaving the cradle of civilization, this Earth of ours, and going to somewhere to another planet out there, in this particular case, a, a body we've chosen to call the moon. And we did it. Fortunately, I was one of those guys to be out there to look back at the Earth and try and comprehend the meaning of it all. And when I walked around the pad, I, I'm not looking at them as 
as monumental memorials, but it, it's just like the shuttle itself. The shuttle never should have been canceled. The greatest flying machine we've ever designed, built, and flown, and it still had more than half of its life to give back to us who were utilizing its resources. And I walked over those pads, and the only difference between me being there in recent times and me being on top of that rocket sitting with, with the oxygen frothing over the top and, you know, listening to the 10, 9, 8, 6 and ready to go, boom, out there somewhere, is time. 10, 9, 8, 7, ignition sequence started. All engines are started. We have ignition. 2, 1, 0. We have a liftoff. We have a liftoff and it's lighting up the area. It's just like daylight here at Kennedy Space Center as the Saturn V is moving off the pad. To be there at the pad and think about what we were capable of doing. And now we've been told if you want to go back to your own space station, which is only a couple hundred miles away, you better get a big trampoline. That statement hurt. It hurt me personally. I think it, it hurt it hurt a lot of people, considering where we were half a century ago when Americans were walking on the moon. An incredible, even to people today, they come up to me, it's incredible. I just don't, but people who weren't born, you know, moms and dads of these kids who were still in diapers, it's incredible what you did. I can't believe it. I hear this all the time. And yet we obliterated that piece of history. Yeah, it was more than nostalgic. It was disappointing. And I do indeed do not want to remember those launch pads that sent us to the moon uh, at Kennedy the way I saw them here over the last recent weeks and months. It, it's just, it's not, something's wrong. It's not right. It's not the way it was supposed to be. All we've done now is proved we can do it, closed the barn door and said, be happy about it. And that's not good enough. We are going to go back to the moon. Why? All we did was prove we can work and survive up there. Now we got to take advantage of the resources the moon has to offer us here on this planet. And it's a stepping stone to go to that place called Mars. Is there water? Was there water? Could life exist? Is Mars like Earth was a jillion years ago? or as Maya's like Earth might be a trillion years in the future. Maybe we're going to go simply because it's there, simply because we can, and that's why we will. It would be very remiss of me not to ask you about the moon. You've been twice, Apollo 10, Apollo 17. Listening to the audio of that landing, it's just joyful. And there it is, Houston, there's Camelot. Wide wow. off target. I see it. We got them all. 42 degrees, 37 degrees, through 5,500. Well, I like to have been Neil Armstrong, yes, but let me tell you. I said this at his eulogy. Fate shined kindly upon us. Neil Armstrong was not picked to be the first man on the moon. It just, it just ended up that way. No one could have handled that challenge, I believe, with more dignity than, than Neil did. So having said that, I got a chance to com not only 
land on the moon after Apollo 10. I got a chance to command a mission, which was extremely important to me. I, it's what I lost when I left the active Navy. I needed to command my squadron. I needed to be responsible for the success, for the lives. I was carrying a banner in my nation. The entire world was watching. I wanted to be the guy who had to make the right decisions. That was important. I got to do that, and I got to walk on the moon, and I got to drive a lunar car on the moon, and I got to be there for over three days. Which flight would I have rather had? I tell you what, I wouldn't change anything for the world. Hatch is closed. Barely. Hey, Jack, don't lock it. I'm not gonna lock we it. We gotta, we gotta go back there. You lose the key, and we're in trouble. Hey, who's been tracking up my lunar surface? Okay. Just walk around for one second. <laughs> hey, man. I told Ron. Ron Evans and Jack Schmidt, I said, guys, you're only going to come this way once. Enjoy yourself. We've trained. We knew. We didn't go to the moon not to be successful. We didn't go not to come back. We had a job to do. Guys, enjoy it. Uh, you're pretty agile there, Twinkle Toes. You bet your uh, <laughs> life I am. I was excited. I was passionate. It gave me an opportunity to prove to myself whether I was good enough. I was determined to do it better than it had ever had been done before. Now, what is better? Well, things that people don't care about. I wanted to land with more fuel. I wanted to land softer. I wanted to land more closer to my landing, designated landing. I just wanted to do it better to prove to myself that I could. I did. And so I wouldn't exchange Apollo 11 for Apollo 17. No, not, not in a minute. I wouldn't do it. I was strolling on the moon one day in, in a merry, merry month of December. Now, May. May. May is the month. May, that's right. May is the year of the month. When uh, much to my surprise, a pair of bunny eyes. Did you feel a weight of responsibility? Your last, your last phrase on the moon included the phrase for all mankind. Did, did you feel that? Did, did you feel that you were there as a representative of Earth? And, and do you still feel that? Do you feel that I, I, since that, that you've I, always, that people, you, you are almost, uh, you've lost some sort of your own identity because people want a part of that? Yes. I was representative of probably one of the greatest challenges that mankind mankind has had in in modern history led by the united states and i was proud to be part of that but apollo 17 was made to focus on young people on future generations we had over 50 countries represented by young people that were at the launch they came to houston at the launch at kennedy came to houston and florida when we actually landed on the moon we took those 50 flags and, and brought them back, and, and where we could, we handed them to those young kids to turn around and present to their nation's leader because they were part of what we did. It didn't make a difference what size, shape, color, religion you were. People were overwhelmed with the fact. Everyone wanted, if you will, a piece of us. It, it, overwhelmed with the fact that we went we went to the moon we were them everybody who put a nut and bolt on our spacecraft went with us on that flight they were responsible for the success or failure of the mission 
every human being in the world literally went on that flight with us. I think there's only two other times that that really happened. Number one, Apollo 11, and number two, Apollo 13. And Apollo 17, people begin to realize that this was a final flight. And so people all over the world wanted to be part of something. They wanted to go to the moon with us. They wanted to go to see what it was like. They wanted the answers to those questions that they had. The technology of Apollo is obsolete, long since been overshadowed by time. But the questions they had back then are the same questions young people who weren't even thought of at that point in time have today. What does it feel like? What does it look like? Feeling closer to God. And I feel one of the survivors, there's only 12 people who walked on the moon. What are there? Nine of us left? Someday there won't be any of us left. And while we are here, I feel it's a responsibility of mine to be some kind of inspiration and stir the passion of young kids to literally follow in our footsteps at, at some time. Time is, I don't care when it is. I don't care whether it's two years, 10 years, or 50 years. I'd, I'd like it to be tomorrow morning. It isn't going to be. But those young kids are going to follow in our footsteps. They're going to pick up where we left off, refurbished pad 39 or something else like it, and take us back out there where we belong. This is Gene, and I'm on the surface. And as I take man's last step from the surface, back home for some time to come, but we believe not too long into the future, I'd like to just let what I believe history will record that America's challenge of today has forged man's destiny of tomorrow. And as we leave the moon and Taurus Literal, we leave as we came, and God willing, as we shall return with peace and hope for all mankind. When I left the moon and started up the ladder, uh, I, I really was at a loss because, number one, I didn't want to leave. Number two, we had to. We didn't have the, uh, the oxygen and the other you know, water, everything else we needed to stay much longer. I looked down at my last footsteps, and, and I realized they were mine, but I also realized I wouldn't come in this way again. Somebody would, but it wouldn't be me. And I looked over my shoulder and uh, I looked at the earth and I've described the meaning of it to me many times in the past. I've always felt going to the moon, leaving Earth, wherever it was not just a technologically different space program, philosophically and spiritually as well. Not religiously, spiritually as well. So that looking back at the earth had some special significance to me, particularly because I could see it and feel it three-dimensionally. It had dynamics, it had impact, it was alive, and it was moving with purpose and with beauty through this endlessness of space and time. And I looked back at there and I said, in those short few minutes, I wanted to figure out what was the meaning of what we, not Apollo 17, the significance of everyone in, alive in the world today, what was the significance of our having left the cradle of civilization and called the moon our home for three days? What does that mean to the future? 
I searched for that answer. I, I needed more time. I wanted to press the freeze button and stop time. Give me a chance to think about it. I had an opportunity to sit on God's front porch looking at the small part of the civilization of this universe that he created. All you can do now is think about it. Let your imagination wander. Take yourself out there. The answer to the next question, what is it all about? What did it mean? Only the future holds that answer. In the film, there are several quite funny almost moments, uh, but also poignant moments. There's Firstly, the, 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 there's a scene when you're giving the eulogy at Neil Armstrong's funeral, and the camera pans round, and you see the remaining astronauts sitting there. All look so old. There's a scene when you're climbing down the... Uh, the water tower on your ranch and struggling to get down the steps and you're comparing it to climbing down the lunar lander. And there's a very funny scene uh, when you're uh, with your friend on the ranch and you've been out riding and you can't walk. You can barely get off the horses and then when you get off, you can't walk. Does it it worry you that you are all all old, old people now and that in a few years' time that there won't be anyone left who who walked on the moon well it, no it doesn't worry me it's you know it's a fact of life uh, you know you like to think you're 20 or 30 years old again and invisible and bulletproof uh, uh, can do anything anytime sure baby I fly jets that's the world I lived and that's world that, w- that was my psyche that 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 perhaps is a culture and attitude I had when someone gave me the controls of that Apollo 17 spacecraft to go to the moon no, you realize you're older. You realize, you know, I'm sitting here with new knees. I got one new hip. I'm getting another one. I got a lot of replacement parts. Feel like the six million dollar man. You, you, you get to a point where you realize you're not going to be around in 20 years. Uh, you, you, your, your goals are a little bit more short range. You know, five years. I want to be around to see my grandkids grow up a little bit. I'd like to be. Would I like to be around? When I'm 90, sure, but I made a vow to myself. When the time comes, no one's going to carry me out. I'm going to walk out on my own terms. That, that's just that's what I want to do. I don't want to be wheeled out. I, I want, you know, but that time isn't that far in the future, and and that's why it's so important. It's so significant to try and 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 and, and, and motivate, to inspire, to to take what I called a little bit ago one of the greatest adventures and challenges in the history of modern man and, and give it to the next generation. And, and then it's their deal. My ego never rose to the point, well, i got to be remembered as something. If I have done anything worth remembering on this planet, then now is the time to share it with those young minds and young dreamers. You know, the dreamers of the day are the doers of tomorrow. So if we don't inspire those dreamers, there's not going to be any doers. That's why I find myself. And do you sense a change in momentum, maybe not in the U.S. Congress, but in the people you come across to want to have a, a return to the moon and go on, go on to Mars? Do you sense there is a, a renewed effort? You've got, I mean, the rise of space tourism, for instance. You've got uh, SpaceX. I seem to at least want to believe that this younger grade school and high school generation is far more excited and interested in space than maybe their big brothers 
and sisters were, who were a little bit, you know, we had so much technology hitting us, iPhones, all this stuff, you know, and, and, and sometimes I ask these young folks, what are you going to do with that technology? Well, they can dial, they can text, they can do all these things. But what, what can you really make? Can you make something happen with it? And, and there was a tremendous amount of complacency here about a half a generation ago of young people who, you know, what's in it for me? Young people who are afraid to take a risk. And you know, I've always told, told kids, if you're afraid to fail, afraid to take a risk, you'll never know how good you are. You'll never know what success really means. But that's coming back again. Their younger brothers and sisters are starting to ask the questions that need to be asked. And while the kettle is boiling, I think we've got to keep the fire lit. And, you know, that's where I am for the balance of my life, trying to keep that fire lit in the hearts and the minds of those dreamers. And are you more comfortable in yourself? And are your, your colleagues, your astronaut colleagues, more comfortable in themselves? All of you faced difficulties in one way or another after you came back from the moon or after you yeah. left NASA are you all more or comfortable have the have the egos calmed down have the you know is it are you I, I take issue when you said we all had difficulties of one kind or another you're pointing out to one or two guys Buzz Aldrin's probably the best example his difficulties were self-imposed as far as I was concerned yes we've had difficulties from the standpoint of of, of we deserted our families during that period of time. We were so focused on going to the moon, we forgot about you know, our kids growing up and skinning their knees, and we left most of, most of the taking care of stuff to our wives. And, and quite frankly, as you saw in the movie, and it's just a fact of life, um, some of our wives, you know, we were, we were, we were being adorned. We, we were just, you know, we were here, you know, and they got all they wanted to do, in my case, was be Mrs. Jean Cernan. I wanted to be a housewife. I wanted to raise a kid. And all of a sudden, we were thrown in to this world of adoration and one thing or another. And, and, and you know, in too many cases, I think something like 60% of the cases of those who were in the program at that point in time ended up being divorced because our wives wanted a personal identity and, 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 and our kids grew up right before our eyes and we weren't there. So, yes. We, we, we sacrificed, we paid, and I'm willing to admit it. Uh, I'm willing to admit I was selfish. But that wasn't a change resulting from going to the moon. That was just a fact that we were so involved and so focused, we didn't take time to pay attention to what was really going on around us. What would you like people to take away from from the film because it's not just about the mission it's not about Apollo neither is it just about you it's about no. your family and about your life but also the the importance of, of Apollo what would be your sort of take home message want, from it I want people to know not just me but perhaps to some degree I represent other guys in a program we're just plain ordinary human beings who were given a challenge and and, and maybe we were picked and chosen for the program because we accepted and, and, and responded to challenges differently than other people would, particularly in the early days when we were going to face, quote, the unknown, uh, that were real. Yeah, and I made, I made mistakes in my life, and I'm not hiding them. I'm not trying to be that fair-haired Boy Scout, that, that kid on a white night that went to the moon. I am who I am. I want people to know I, I came from a blue-collar family, born in Chicago, 
mom and dad never had a chance to to get the education that they really dreamed about me getting. Uh, I had immigrant grandparents spend a lot of summers on a farm, no electricity, no nothing. This young boy with a dream about flying airplanes off aircraft carriers uh, ended up going to the moon. And, and the film hopefully takes you through the life and, and, and allows you to hear me admit some of the dumb things I've, I've, I've done. And, and, you know, everything from, you know, forgetting about my family during some critical times. My life said one time, uh, if you think going to the moon is hard, you try staying home. I wish I had heard that statement back then it, it would have I maybe could have done something about it you know I admit I admitted that uh, you know I flew a helicopter in the water it, it was a dumb thing to do my boss Dick Slayton when that happened said you know and I was backing up Al Shepard a week away from his flight he said gee now when did the engine quit uh, Dick the engine didn't quit uh, well when did you first hear it sputter uh, it didn't sputter well when did that gust of wind get a holdy. I said, Deke, I flew the helicopter into the water. I did it. It wouldn't have happened. It wasn't for me. I was in control of my destiny. Dumb thing to do. Stupid thing to do. I'm not in, you know, I'm really not invincible, perhaps, like I used to think I was. Uh, I admitted that. So, you know, we've all made mistakes. And kids out there, I've got a young daughter, a granddaughter, who just graduated and is going out, graduated uh, Texas A&M is going out in the workforce, and she's going to make mistakes. And, and all I tell her is the same thing perhaps you'd heard me say that my dad used to tell me. Just go out and do your best, and someday you're going to surprise yourself. You're not going to be better than everyone and everything, and I certainly wasn't. And I want people and young people, young boys, young girls, to know if I can go to the moon before... Mom and dad were born. Their moms and dads were born. What can't they do? I'm just like them. You know, I brush my teeth in the morning. I hurt when I cut myself. Uh, I want to leave them with a sense of confidence and inspiration to rally their passion to say, why can't I do that? Why can't I be one of those? See, I'm big on opportunities. Nobody should be guaranteed anything. All we should guarantee people is an opportunity to be and do what they want to do and be. And that's what I had. I had an opportunity uh, enhanced by my mom and dad's desire to get me the education that gave me, that plus my dream gave me the foothold to eventually take me to the moon. It inspired me to want to do it again. So hopefully it'll inspire others. The last man on the moon, Captain Gene Cernan. Well, it was a privilege to talk to him, although you'll have gathered I didn't get that many words in edgeways. His film's currently doing the rounds of the festivals. Hopefully it'll get a release in the coming months, and you can find out more by visiting The Last Man on the Moon on Facebook, which we'll link to on our Facebook page. And uh, incidentally, I should mention, I also asked Gene about his spacewalk from hell during Gemini 9. It was his words, not mine. Uh, We'll feature that in a future edition. And that's the Space Boffins podcast in partnership with The Naked Scientists. Thanks to the Atrium Space Insurance Consortium and ABSL Space Products for making our podcast possible. Thanks very much 
for listening or comments, etc., very welcome on Facebook, Twitter, and at spaceboffins.com. I'm Richard Hollingham, and as the man says... This is Apollo Control out at 305.25, ground elapsed time.